This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. How much do you know about personal finance? Things like KiwiSaver or getting a home loan? If the answer is, hmm, I don't actually know that much, then check out this next program, Finance Made Easy. It's a podcast series based on workshops held at Plains FM that explore everything from debt consolidation to buying your first home. Elise Vine is a financial advisor from Building on Basics who loves to chat about personal finance. This episode focuses on first home grants and partnerships. Hi, so I'm Elise from Building on Basics. I'm a financial advisor and I've been, been running the series of Finance Made Easy and tonight's topic is first home grants and first home partnerships. And the whole point of this topic is to help people get access to some free money or to get some assistance to get into their first home. One little bit of housekeeping that we need to go through is that um, I'm a financial advisor and tonight's topic is a generic information evening. So I'm not providing you with specific advice on how you can get access to that free money, although I'm talking through the process of how you could go through to get the, get the access to the free money. So the information given during this information is for education purposes and is not specific advice. My name is Elise Vine and I am a financial advisor. My company, Building on Basics Limited, and I am registered on the Financial Services Provider Register. To find out other important information about me and Building on Basics, go to our website www.buildingonbasics.co.nz and look at important info. This explains the services I provide and how I am paid, along with other important information like our complaints process and our privacy policy. I see a complaint always as an opportunity to learn and to get better. Let's get started with some stats. Why do we have first home grants? As at June 2016, less than, than 5,000 people, closer to 4,000 people required housing. Roll on five years later, there are 24,474 people waiting for housing. This is a stat from the Ministry of Social Development. So this is people that are just want, that want housing that are currently renting or um, needing emergency housing. In New Zealand, in the media, we're constantly hearing about the housing shortage. I've got a, a graph for, um, that's been supplied by the uh, Department of Statistics New Zealand, uh, Reserve Bank of New Zealand, and sense partners who have collated the information together. In 2002, we had a demand for housing, or a supply of housing of 20,000 houses, but we had a demand for housing of 30,000. So we were short 10,000 houses in 2002. Only in the period between 2004 and five and seven and eight, and 2012, 2013, have we ever had a surplus of, in the last 20, 20 odd years, um, have we had a surplus of housing? So for the rest of the time, we have had a severe housing shortage. 
And at the moment, with 24,474 people looking for homes, um, whether that be rental or, or other accommodation, um, it's, it's, a, it's a big, big deficit that we have at the moment. As at 2020, there were close to 40,000 was the demand with a supply of um, just over 27,000. Okay. We need to build more, we need to build faster. And that's a real challenge in today's environment with the uh, lockdowns in Auckland, with the supply chain uh, and getting uh, materials in from overseas. Also with the labour shortage of having skilled tradies to do across all the different trades um, to be able to, to meet the demand. If we go to the um, government's uh, website and look at the government housing dashboard, there are 74,823 homes that have been provided by Housing New Zealand through Kainga Ora. We have increased the number of public homes that are available since June 2017 by 8,677. And still, we have a shortage of 24,474. So if the public housing is not going to be providing us with the opportunity to, to have accommodation, and we, to be honest, none of us want to be reliant on the Housing New Zealand to provide us with our homes. We all want to be in our own homes. Then the government needed to start to think smarter about the way that they help people into their homes. So that you, having access to your KiwiSaver to use towards your deposit is one of the things that they did. The other thing that they did was the first home grant. So some of those stats are pretty sobering. But so let's get into the reason why the government got into solutions to help us to move forward. Initiatives like KiwiSaver was about getting Kiwis saving towards their retirement. And to find out more about how KiwiSaver works, and uh, please go and take a look at the Plains FM or Building on Basics uh, websites to find the Finance Made Easy series and see the podcast on KiwiSaver. Talks about how to enrol, who's eligible to enrol, and how it all works. So one of the key features of KiwiSaver is that you can withdraw all of your KiwiSaver money if you're eligible, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, um, all but $1,000 towards from your KiwiSaver to help you buy your first home. Okay. Even with your savings from your KiwiSaver, sometimes that's not enough for people to be able to afford the deposit towards their home. So what they might do at that point is they, um, the government said, well, what else can we do to help people? So they came up with these ideas of free money and they called that free money first home grant because they're not as exciting as uh, marketers as uh, free money um, in terms of the way it goes. The government has also come up with the initiative called the first home partnership. And this is where the government has shared ownership of the property with you. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later on as well. It's not a well-known service and it's only been going, they've done a couple of pilots and um, it's very difficult to actually qualify for but um, it's worth knowing about. So KiwiSaver and First Home Grant are not the same thing. KiwiSaver is money that you have deducted from your wages or that you put in as a voluntary contribution 
where you are using that money and it's going to be locked away till you're 65 uh, towards for when you retire. Okay, and the idea of KiwiSaver is that it will take the place of the pension at some time and some stage in the future. That's if enough of us can get saving and become self self funded. First Home Grant is a one-off grant for access to some free money to help with the deposit towards your home, your first home. So taking a step back and, and just really understanding about the KiwiSaver, we can withdraw all but $1,000 from our KiwiSaver. We have to have belonged to KiwiSaver for at least three years. And for um, the first home grant, we're going to need to make sure we've been com contributing for at least three years. And it does not have to be a consecutive period. So you might have contributed between 2012 to 2013 when you first left school or you know, first arrived or whatever for whatever reason. And then from 2000, and for the next three years, you might have been studying and you weren't contributing to your KiwiSaver. And then when you finished your study, you started again and then you've been contributing for two plus years after that, at which time you then qualified for having the three consecutive years of contribution to your KiwiSaver. It can be used to purchase land, but it must be built on within the next, tw within 12 months of the land purchase. So if you settle on the land on the 1st of October 2020, by the 1st of October 2021, we must be well into the build of our home. Okay. At the time we apply for the first home grant, we can't own the land. So we have to have the land and the build contract at the same time when we do it. But I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. To withdraw your KiwiSaver, you do that with your fund provider. So whether you're with Booster, Generate, Westpac, ANZ, whoever you are, have your KiwiSaver with, you will need to work with them to withdraw your KiwiSaver. Okay? To find out who your KiwiSaver is with, then you can go to your MyIR and it will tell you who your KiwiSaver is with. Previous homeowners. So sometimes things happen. Sometimes we have a relationship that fails and we, as part of the separation, we need to sell a family home. So uh, at that point, you have to start again to be able to buy a house. If you didn't use your KiwiSaver the first time round when you bought that home, you have the opportunity to use it the second time round. But there's a whole lot of special criteria that apply. So special conditions apply such as you must not own any interest or share ownership of property in New Zealand or overseas, okay, at the time you do the application. You must not have used the, your KiwiSaver the previous time you bought your home or owned property. So even if you owned an investment property and it wasn't a home and that got sold as part of a relationship breakup or a business went bust, and you needed to sell the investment property, um, it still counts. If you've got your name on the title in any way, shape or form, or have an interest in that property through a trust or anything like that, then that's counted as ownership. To assess if you're eligible, so if you meet the criteria to be able to um, use the key, your KiwiSaver for a second, second chance, then um, you contact Kayanga Ora and there's a KiwiSaver withdrawal determination process that you can go through. Okay. And it's all available on the Kainga Ora website.
other tricks around the previous homeowners is they must not have assets worth more than 20% of the house, deposit, house price cap for the area. So if you're buying uh, in Christchurch, the house price cap is 500000 for an existing house. So you can't have assets of worth more than 100000 whether that be your KiwiSaver funds, um, savings, second vehicles, classic cars, boats, caravans, anything over 5000 could be art, uh, could be gold bars that you've got stashed under your bed, any shares, bonds, individual assets that are worth more than $5,000. Okay. If you have um, $15,000 worth of camera equipment, but that camera equipment is used to um, produce your income, to bring in your income, then that's fine. But it's anything that's just a personal asset. First home grant. So how does it work? We've talked about KiwiSaver, we've talked about accessing your KiwiSaver for a second chance. First home grant, let's get into the nitty gritty of how that works. So the funds are available for each applicant. So if you are buying a house by yourself, you would be a single person, then you would be eligible if you meet four or five other criteria, which we're going to step through in a minute. If you buy an existing home and you've belonged to your KiwiSaver for three years, then you'll be uh, eligible for $3,000. If you've belonged to KiwiSaver and been contributing for five years, then you'll be eligible for up to 5,000 for an existing house. So an existing house is one that has already been built. So it might be from the 1900s, it might be from 2017, 2018, 2020. That is deemed an existing house. A new home, is one that has been built within the last 12 months or is in the process of being built. Okay. And for that, each applicant is eligible for between 5,000 and 10,000, depending on how long they've belonged to KiwiSaver and have been contributing. You must live in the house for six months. We call it the first home grant, and the key word there is home. So you can't buy it to then rent it out. However, you can live in it and have flatmates or boarders that help you pay the rent and pay the mortgage. After six months, they say, well, it's your, your choice what you need to do. If you have special circumstances, which mean that your um, job uh, takes you out of town and you need to move, then there are special conditions that you can still retain, retain UC KiwiSaver. Okay, first home grant qualifiers. So it must have been contributing to your KiwiSaver for a minimum of three years. Okay, and that's three consecutive, not three, three years of contributions, not three consecutive years of contribution. Okay. You must meet the other KiwiSaver quali um, qualifying criteria. Okay. We're going to talk about those. We must meet the income criteria, and we're going to talk about those. We must purchase a property that meets the property criteria. And there's a few things that are hidden about the way they assess it. So most people talk about the property criteria, they're talking about the value of the house. There's more to it than that. Right, so the KiwiSaver criteria. So we must have been contributing for a minimum of 3% of your income. And the contribution includes deductions from your wages or voluntary contributions. So a voluntary contribution is where you put money into your KiwiSaver 
as an automatic payment or as a one-off contribution through the IRD to go into your KiwiSaver. Okay? So it's any money that you have put into your KiwiSaver. We're not talking about what your boss or employer puts into KiwiSaver. Okay? If you're a non-earner, so you're on a benefit, you're a student, then um, you need to make contributions of at least 3% of the adult wage of 40 hours per week. So given the minimum wage is currently $20 per hour, if you're working a 40 hour week, that comes to 1,248 that you need to put into your KiwiSaver each year. So on the podcast when I'm talking about KiwiSaver, I talk about putting in $20 a week into, you, into your KiwiSaver or $20.08 a, a week to make sure you get the, the government contribution, which is other free money, back. But if you want to be able to use your KiwiSaver after, after three years and you're just putting in those small, don uh, small amounts, then you need to be putting in $24 a week for you to be able to access your KiwiSaver to qualify for the first home grant. You can still pull your money out of KiwiSaver, but to qualify for the first home grant, it's $24 a week that you need to be putting in. If you're self-employed, you need to contribute a minimum of 3% of your annual income. And for self-employed people on the KiwiSaver podcast, we talk about the fact that you do all of your contributions through the voluntary contributions. So that you can put that directly against your IRD number or directly into your KiwiSaver fund. My preference is you put it directly into your KiwiSaver fund because that way it gets invested faster. Um, and yeah, cool. So we talk about uh, the first home grant is every each applicant is eligible to get that between three and $10,000 depending on how long they've belonged, how long they've contributed and how much they've contributed and um, whether it's a, an existing house or a new house. As a single person, if one person is buying the house, they need to have, uh, the income needs to be less than 95000 before tax. Okay. If there's two or more people buying the house, then they, that household, or those two or more people, uh, need to have a joint income of less than 150000 before tax. So if one of you is earning 60,000 and the other's earning 70,000, that's 130 that couple or that those two people would qualify. Why do I talk about two or more? Because it could be a couple and a friend that are buying the house and they're all going to reside at the house. It could be three siblings, so brothers and sisters buying a house together. It could be um, three mates buying a house together, okay? Each of the three that are buying, their whole income has to be capped at the 150, okay? To qualify for the first home grant. Doesn't mean to say, if you don't qualify for the first home grant, that doesn't mean to say that you don't qualify to actually use your KiwiSaver and still buy a house. At that point, it's just that we don't get access to the free money of the first home grant. The way that they, um, they assess your income is not on the tax year, they do it on the last 12 consecutive months. Okay. And we'll show you how to find out how much you earned in the last 12 months shortly. The property criteria. 
so for the first home grant, and this is where um, Aucklanders go, what, whatever, the first home grant's just a joke. Because the value of the houses that you can buy with the first home grant is capped. So they're saying that you can't get the first home grant to go and get million dollar properties and live beyond your means. The idea is to get you into a home um, and uh, at the time they first started this, um, these figures were good figures to, to use, um, but they're no longer affordable. So for Auckland, an existing property would be between, um, the limit was 625000 The average Auckland house price is well, um, well over the million. Okay, so it means it's a bit of a joke. There is the odd house that might, you might get for six twenty-five, but here's the problem. Not only is the value of the property capped, but depending on the status of the property as to if there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the property, then they're going to say, no, not for you. Okay. The reason why, especially if you've got a high loan-to-value ratio, and we're going to talk about loan-to-value ratios in our next podcast on getting a loan. So Auckland, 625 for a, an existing house, 700 for a new property. In some areas of Auckland, you're struggling to find a section for 700,000. Can I ask, how often do they get reviewed? So the question is, how often do these price caps get reviewed? Well, these have been reviewed this year in a March. This is the uplifted prices, values. So... Queenstown Lakes District, 600000 for an existing, six fifty for a new property. Kapiti Coast, Poriroa, Upper Hutt, Hutt City, Wellington City, five fifty for an existing house, six fifty for uh, a new property. Again, Wellington, like Auckland and Queenstown, house prices are, are getting close to the million dollars as your average. Um, Hamilton City, Tauranga City... Uh, Western Bay of Pliny District, Waipa District, Hastings District, Napier City, Nelson City, Tasman District, 525k. Maybe in some, in some suburbs, definitely not in Tauranga City. 600 for a new build. Waimakariri, Christchurch City, Selwyn District, 500,000. There are still times that we're able to, to get it to work for some people. 550 for a new build. Um, definitely it's a bigger struggle in the Rolleston, um, Lincoln areas. You won't get some, a new build for 550. Waikato District, Dunedin City, 425 for an existing property, 550 for new properties. The rest of New Zealand, 400,000. So this is all provincial New Zealand and 500,000 for a new build. There are possibilities there. But again, it's um, very much dependent on the areas. Are house prices going to come down? Well, the question is around supply and demand. And recently the government announced that they are going to follow through with providing 165,000 temporary visas into permanent residence. Um, That's going to create um, some housing demand for people wanting their their own homes. So... One other thing before I move on to um, the next steps and how you apply. If the house, because they want you to have a home, they want to make sure that you can afford the home. So if the home has maintenance that is required on it, 
and it's more than $5,000 of maintenance and you're going for the welcome home loan, then the bank will say, no, sorry, this house is not for you. Even if you're a builder and you could do the repairs very cheaply and as part of an add value opportunity, the bank is going to say, no, it's too much risk for you that you don't get the work done because you can't afford the payments to be able to, to do the work. So it's quite a tough, tough rule, uh, but it's a good rule in terms of making sure that people don't overextend themselves and that they don't buy houses that are then um, turn into, they don't turn into you being your own slumlord because you can't afford to do the repairs on the house. Okay, They want you to live in healthy homes and it's all about making sure you've got the funds there to live in it, enjoy it and, um, and to be able to maintain it. So before you apply for the first home grant, there's some information that you need. Personal identification. So this is your passport. Uh, if you've got a foreign passport but you've got your New Zealand citizenship but you haven't got a New Zealand passport yet, then you just need your um, permanent residency or um, to go with this along with your um, all your citizenship papers. Anything to show that you're an indefinite uh, rights to indefinite rights to be in New Zealand. You can also use your firearms license if you have one. Um, so personal identification, also your driver's license. Proof of income and KiwiSaver. Okay, and I'm going to show you how to do that, although the rules for how, or the way that looks is going to change um, probably by the end of next week because the IRD is updating their website so to make it easier for people to do things. So um, some of the things I'm going to talk about shortly are going to become irrelevant, potentially. You still need the proof of income in KiwiSaver, but the way to do it will change. If you have found a property that you want, then you need the sale and purchase agreement for that property. If you are still looking for the house that you want and you want to know whether you are eligible to use to get the first home grant, then you can do it without having a sale and purchase agreement. Okay, so we call that a pre-approval. If you have a property that you have a sale and purchase agreement on, then we, we call that a, a, an approval that you're going for rather than a pre-approval. Okay. We need evidence of the deposit, especially if you've found a house. So we're buying a house for, for 495000 or 500000 in Christchurch, it's an existing home. So we're within the, the property criteria, we earn less than 150 you and your partner. Um, there's not much work that's been done on it. You're going to get a building inspection and it's going to be come up with, you know, it's going to be all good. We're going to be able to get insurance on the property. As we found out when we were doing our buying a house podcast last week, all of these are all things that we need to do. And we need to make sure we've got the deposit. So we're buying a house for 500000 If we're buying it at 80%, we need a $100,000 deposit. Um, if we're buying uh, under that, then we're going to need a smaller deposit as required. Is the $5,000 or $10,000, because we've both been, been in KiwiSaver for five years and contributing for five years, we're going to get $10,000 um, between the two of us for our, for our KiwiSaver first home grant deposit. Um, we've got savings and or gifts from family to help us get into the property along with our KiwiSaver. So we need to have proof of the at least 5% towards the, the, the property 
uh, preferably more. Right, then, so to go and get our um, proof of income and KiwiSaver, we go to the IRD website and we log into my IR and we then come down and at the bot, it gives you some important information and a whole bunch of um, customer information, alerts and I want to. Then it comes down to the section which talks about accounts and we select KiwiSaver member. Okay. Again, the look of how IRD is presenting this information may change um, in the, the next week, and I'm looking forward to see what they're going to do. Once you've clicked on that, it takes you through to your KiwiSaver member information, and on the right-hand side, there's the I want to section, and at the top of that, it says proof of income and KiwiSaver. You click on that, and it takes you through to a... Um, another page with a button there that you can download the file. Save that file because you're going to need to upload that onto the Kainga Aura site when you do your application. For your ID, you need to take a photo of that and then make sure that you've got that scanned because you're going to need to upload that, a copy of that um, as well. They don't need to be certified copies, they just need to be copies. Right. Once you've done your application through for your Kiwis, um, you've got that, you can go through and do your full application into the Kainga Aura website. It asks a few questions, most of them are pretty simple to answer, yes, no, um, but if you do need help, um, feel free to contact us at Elise at, at bob.kiwi.nz and we can help you through that process. Okay, other ways of buying in, there's, there's about six different community projects that are out there where you can buy, uh, buy property or be helped into buying your property. So there's partnerships with Habitat for Humanity, the Kainga Aura um, First Home Partnership, Salvation Army has the community finance, and the Salvation Army through Generate uh, KiwiSaver, um, Generate KiwiSaver have... Um, put a bond together and helped finance 115 houses through um, the Salvation Army um, Community Finance Scheme. There's Court Community Housing and Otatahi Housing Trust. Each of these have different application processes for you to go through and have opportunities to help buy, help you to buy a home. Some of them are Partnerships in terms of shared ownership, some of them are rent to buy type scenarios, it depends, each one is different and you need to, to talk to them about that. So the Kayanga Ora one is about, um, uh, is the first home partnerships. And what they do there is, um, the partnership is where they, depending on how much you can afford to buy and how much you've got towards the deposit, and how much the bank is willing to lend you. They will chip in and do the remaining amount. They will go up to, I think it's 20, 25% of the property. Um, and they I need, to, need to check that. But there are debt limits in terms of what they allow. And you've got 15 years to um, purchase the kainga or a share of the property. They have an annual meeting with you to help you to make sure you're staying on track. 
you are not allowed to get any other debt. So no afterpay, no buy now, pay later, no going and getting a loan for um, furniture, um, no refinancing and getting more money for doing renovations to the property. The first priority is to pay the kainga ora share before you're going to be allowed to do much more. Having said that, if there's maintenance and things that need to be done on the property, then kainga ora are going to make sure that you're doing that. But they're going to be working with you on your budgetary level as well to make sure you can afford to do what, what is needed. So you must be a first home buyer. Total income must be under 130000 so hang on a minute, for the first home grant, our cap was 150000 for two or more people. This is where the government is now becoming inconsistent. They've helped us in one area, but not in another. So the question about uh, when was the last time the property values were re reviewed, um, they're running so fast that they're forgetting all these other bits where we need to help. Um, you must live in a property for three years. Whereas when you use your KiwiSaver and you're in control, you just need to live there for six months. Okay. It's subject to having a good credit rating. So that's why understanding your debt and, and being aware of the debt management and debt consolidation strategies and, uh, was important. So again, listen to the podcast on the Finance Made Easy series on debt consolidation and managing your debt. People wondered why I take so long to get to first home grants and to lending because there's so much that we need to do beforehand and, so, and there's quite a long period of time for us to, to get things set and make sure that we're set for when we are ready to buy a house. And the sooner we start with our debt consolidation and clearing, making sure we've got a, a good credit record, making sure we've got good savings, making sure our KiwiSaver is we're contributing enough to our KiwiSaver to both get the first home grant if we're eligible um, and we find a property that's, that, that suits for us to, to work. So making sure you have a good credit rating. And again, what is a good credit rating is going to depend on how they feel at the time. So it's, there's going to be a lot of how you stack up compared to the other people that are applying at the time. Um, the first home partnerships is uh, particularly... Uh, targeted to people with large families because the more children you have the uh, more expensive it is to run your household and so the banks are taking a, a tighter and tighter view on your ability to afford um, large loans. I, I would like you to repeat again why the banks are keen to support big families. I didn't get that. You don't understand that? Okay, so... Language-wise. Language-wise, yeah, understand, understand. Okay, so um, when you are earning and it's just you, then you've got to support your rent and um, your share of the food in the flat if you're living with other people and you share the power. When it's you and your partner and you've got a single property and you're renting that, then you've got your... Um, paying for the household rent and you're splitting that between your dual incomes if both of you are working, okay, two incomes, and you're able to share the food costs and the um, power and the costs that relate to that. Along comes number one, Bubby, okay, Peppy. So with each baby, we have then increased household costs, 
not that they eat a lot in that first year, but we do have nappies and all the other incidentals that come with having a baby. Then for you to go back to work, you then have childcare. Okay, so unless you're in a family where you've got grandparents that are doing the after, care, after school care and that sort of thing, then you have childcare costs. Okay, that's with one child. Then they go to school, that costs just start to stack up. So when we have the second child, it doesn't cost us much more in terms of feeding, but we've got the same things. But now we've got one, two, two, in, two in daycare, or one at school and then after school care and one in daycare. So we have all these extra costs that come on board. Uh, then when, as they progress through the schooling system, then we've got uh, uniforms or, you know, and school donations, which are supposedly free, but um, you know, you're strongly encouraged to pay um, because it helps fund the school to be able to do cool things. So with each child, they add an extra benchmark figure for supporting that child, regardless of what your actual costs are. And with the new contract credits, contract, credit contracts and Consumer Finance Act changes that have been coming in, and the final parts are being rolled out in October, uh, and were meant to be rolled out on the 1st of October, due to be rolled out on the 1st of December, the banks are already using this criteria. So it's becoming harder and harder for two, or, if you've got more than two kids, um, it's going to be become harder to get finance for large amounts. They're gonna be really looking at your ability to service and pay for the loan, as well as to pay for your household costs. So you might be running your household very efficiently. You might grow your own food. You might have a lamb in the garden that you, um, you know, slaughter for, for food and, and you know, to, 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 to feed the family. Um, and you um, are, don't go out much. We've got our grandparents living with us and they're contributing to the household costs and, and all of those sorts of things. And they do all our childcare. And we're running on a sniff of an oily rag. Um, they don't care. If anything goes wrong in that scenario, the banks are going to be hauled over the coals and going to be in deep, deep trouble. So they do not want to take the risk. So what New Zealand doesn't know is that this consumer, the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, which is meant to help us all, is going to put a lot of people into severe hardship and lock them into renting when it never should have. So in some areas it's helping. Others, not so much. That's a great question, though. Any other questions? You are expert of the real agent, right? Real estate. Real estate agent? Yeah. I'm a financial advisor, so I, my specialty is in lending, so getting money from the bank yeah. to help you, okay? But I do understand the real estate yeah, game. You know yep. the trend of the real estate. Yep, property market, yes. My question is, because people know x kid, can you explain... Uh, the interest rate yes. relate with the, the price of the house? No, not related. Not related? It's, yeah. Economically, yeah. we should say they are linked. Yeah. But they're not. Uh, our income should link to the house prices as well, but they're not. It used to be that um, the average house price uh, was three times your income. The, the average income. It's now um, closer to eight and ten times your income in terms of the value of the properties, right? 
so, and, and our ability to service it. So which is why the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act is doing some of the changes it's, it's doing. It's to try and help people not get themselves stuck in a debt cycle, especially with rising interest rates. So um, interest rates are dependent on uh, supply and demand, on the GDP, so gross domestic product. It depends on the exchange rates. It depends on, um, interest rates depend on foreign currency, importing, exporting. It, uh, it relates to the interest rates um, and the money that is available and what's circulating. It relates to the debt level and how much consumer and other debt is out there. It depends on whether the government is printing money to keep the economy going. It depends on inflation. So as inflation rises, interest rates will rise with, it and with the interest. Okay? The Reserve Bank of New Zealand is tasked with keeping the uh, inflation rate at 2% at or under. Okay? So but averaging around 2%. We've been in a period of super low inflation and um, with the inflation rate being low, that's, they keep the inflation rate low to help stimulate people's spending and to p stimulate the economy. Okay? Interest, has been, interest rates have been very, very low. So because interest has been very low, it's been meant that people can afford to get, borrow more money. If you can borrow more money, then we can buy more property. So, and because then more people can afford, the demand goes up, so the prices go up. Yeah. Prices go up because there's also been a lack of supply and we've been a shortage of housing for so long. So that's why we've had the accelerated growth in the property values. And everybody talks about um, there's going to be a drop in the, in the property prices. Well, there's not going to be a drop as such. There's going to be, and this is just my particular view, there's going to be a holding pattern so the prices won't keep going up at the rate that they've been going up. And they've been going up between 5 and 10% in some areas, month on month on month. So over a course of a 12-month period, some areas have been going up 20, 30, 40%. I've got a client that I was working with recently, and we started talking in February. And they needed to do a little bit of work on their property. Yep, they were just going to save the money and do the work themselves. Their property was worth $380,000. Great. In August, look, I'm not saving enough to do the work and I really want to go and get the home because we're looking to do this next stage. So get me a small loan to get the work done. What's, and by the way, what's my property worth now? Well, according to Core Logic Systems, their house in February was worth 380. It was now at 420 at the beginning of August. Right, get me these documents because we're going to need these to be able to do the application. They got really busy at work. A month later, they come back to me in September. Right, where were we? Why haven't you got me the finance? We're waiting for the documents. All right, right, right. What's my property worth? 420, one month later, we're worth 450. By the time we actually did their application three weeks later, it was worth 460. It's just ridiculous what's happening with the, the property prices. Now this was in an area of New Brighton. 
that's not a high capital growth area. Yep, we can imagine other areas. I've got a client that bought a house um, in May last year, just after the lockdown, the first lockdown opened up. They bought it for 700,000 and they were complaining that they'd spent 700,000 on it. Um, six months later it was worth 850. It's just stupid. So things like the partnerships, things like the first home grants to help people in, um, being smart with your money, working with a financial advisor to make sure you're using your resources consciously and to the best effect. It's not going to take you one year to save for a deposit uh, unless you win the 42 million um, from Lotto. And I'm if somebody won it, and I, I'm assuming that's nobody in this room. Yeah. Thank you. You've been listening to Elise Vine, financial advisor from Building on Basics. Finance Made Easy is a podcast series about personal finance made with funding from the Ministry of Social Development. Podcasts are available on the Plains FM website, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm.